podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Some of the topics are addiction, fear, faith, self-compassion, relationships, codependency, emotional intelligence, and more. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. We are all too familiar with the diets and cleanses that we set the intention to embark upon, but are never quite able to follow through it. Why is that? We think we just sabotage ourselves with unhealthy foods, but the reality is that we sabotage ourselves with disregard for what we need most to feel good, unconditional self-love. Weight loss is not about managing food, but managing your thoughts, beliefs, and feelings. When we become so fixated on the goal of losing weight that we forget to consider our own needs, thoughts, feelings, and emotions, how can we expect to see real results? This statement was found on gooddecisions.com. My conversation is with Patricia Basden. We talk about weight loss, acceptance, faith, and much more. Patricia has faced challenges with self-image since she was a child, which resulted in weight fluctuation over the years. She has come to accept herself as a creature of God, which has enabled her to see the value within herself and empowered her to lose 105 pounds. Yes, 105 pounds. To read Patricia's full biography, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Here is the interview with Patricia Basden. In your own words, who is Patricia Basden? A wife, a mother, a professional woman working full-time. Those are the key elements that make up my life. Would you describe who you are as a spiritual person too, like the inner you, um, besides all the things that we perceive you to be from the outside? Yes, I believe I have a deep faith in God. And that is a driving force within my life. I don't force my beliefs onto others. I just follow what I believe internally. Great. Thank you. My official first question to you is, do you have an unconventional definition for what 
is to be a healthy person? I don't know if it is unconventional. My belief to be a healthy person for my own personal experience is that it comes from multiple different sides of myself. It is mentally emotionally, spiritually, and that feeds into my physical well-being. I don't know that that's necessarily unconventional, but it is what I believe in. It's like the idea that we are a healthy person would be living a um, holistic life, embracing all parts of us, the physical, the mental, and the spiritual. Yes. Yes, that is correct. Uh, what drives us to think that we are just the physical body? I think that's an outside element that American, in, in particular, I'm an American. I believe that American society, I don't know about other societies, they may as well, but American society definitely pushes a physical image, is between models and magazines, movies. They push that the physical appearance, you have to be a size two, you have to be five foot eight. They push all of these different elements, even television commercials push that if you get this cold cream or this, this lotion, that it will somehow enhance your overall sense of well-being because it will enhance how you look. So people become very trapped in their physical appearance versus, and that's, an outside manifestation of what you are on the inside. So if you are, if you like yourself on the inside, if you like who you are on the inside, then that will reflect in your eyes, how they sparkle in the smile that you have on your face. But people in society really look at the outer before they even think about the inner person. Right. So true. And also I think because it's, um, it's hard to, to know, it seems like we are not really connected with our intuition. So yeah, it might be that because most of us are not connected with ourselves within. It's hard to read, quotes and quotes, others from within. We automatically judge them from the outside. What is your healing story about weight loss and self-image? Everything came to a head in, in 2017 when I had my annual physical and was put on a second heart medication for high blood pressure. I came to the realization that I was going to be turning 50 soon in 2018, and I did not want to look and feel the way that I did at that visit in, in 2017 when I turned 50. It was like an epiphany. This is enough. I am ready. Losing weight while it is a physical thing, you know, watching what you eat, exercising, all of those elements, everybody pretty much knows that that is what it takes. Less, less input, more output, you'll lose weight. But it really comes from having support of your significant other. It comes from having uh, your mind and your heart and your soul fully invested in deciding this is it. This is what I'm going to do, whether it's a weight loss issue or any other form of something that maybe alcohol, any other form of something that is holding you back. It really is a mental decision. And that is what happened for me a year and a half ago. I made a mental decision that I wanted to feel good. I wanted to look better. And so I've lost 107 pounds in a year and a half. Yeah, that's amazing. How did you do it exactly? Did you change your diet? Did you start exercising more? It was both of those things. Uh, I still eat 
When I want a sweet, I still eat a sweet, but it's all about portions. I push the plate away instead of eating everything at a restaurant. I take home a portion of it instead of eating all of it like I used to do. I do exercise now. Uh, I work full time. And when I tr- and I do travel for my position, the hotels I stay in have fitness rooms. So I take my fitness clothes with me on my trips and I work out when I'm here at home. And but it's really more that I've got the support of my husband. He's very proud of me and he supports me and believes in me and helps me. He doesn't bring home treats that he knows are trigger foods for me. You know, he helps me in that respect. And that's very important. And then my own just mental mindset that as the weight has come off, I like myself. And that is tremendous thing toward keeping the momentum and the drive going to not just lose the weight, but to really maintain the weight loss, because that is where I have struggled in the past. I have lost 100 pounds or more in the past and have gained it all back plus more because I lost my drive and my belief in myself. And I let the stresses of life drive me to food. I don't drink alcohol. I don't do drugs. Food is my uh, almost a form of addiction when I would have stresses and become depressed, I would eat. And I've learned other avenues of taking care of myself without turning to food. Wow. Um, yeah, that resonates very much true to me when you say that liking yourself, that's uh, the beginning of those kinds of change, like significant changes in our lives. Um What is the difference between liking ourselves and loving ourselves? It's it's similar to relatives. You love your parents, but sometimes you may not like them. You love yourself because I mean, because that's just who you are. I mean, you know, but liking yourself, that's a very interesting question. It's it's hard for me to articulate no matter what I love who I am because that I am who I am. But there are times when I don't like behavior that I may have done or I don't like circumstances with that my I'm facing. And so it causes me to have self-doubt. It lowers my self-esteem. And when my self-esteem is lowered, then I turn to whatever comforts me. And that for me would be food. And so learning to actually like myself, consider myself to be a worthwhile human being, that I am worth God's love and my husband's love and my family's love has changed how I see myself in this world. So I, I don't know if that answers your question or not. Yeah, um, it kind of does. Do you think that um, liking, loving ourselves might be connected with the alignment of what we think and what we do, as well as uh, self-acceptance or unconditional love, right? Because self-acceptance is, is, I think, is the same thing as saying I accept myself unconditionally, no matter what. I think so. Um There are many people that they can't accept themselves for whatever reason, having to do with perhaps their childhood experiences, something that they were told, because words have a tremendous amount of power and they stay with us for the rest of our lives. Something that our parent or our siblings or a teacher has said to us stays with us for the rest of our lives. And so a person's self-image, whether they like themselves, will help them determine how well they're going to treat themselves. 
whether they're going to take the time to exercise or to cut up vegetables and cut up fruit so that they have stuff to take for lunch during the work week. You know, self-care. Sometimes people get caught up, especially women, I think, some men as well, I'm sure, but but women, they get caught up in taking care of the kids, taking care of their home, taking care of their husbands or their significant other, and they don't stop to think, I need to take care of me, you know, and so... True, so true. How do you manage uh, that, Patricia, to um, the balance between loving yourself and loving your husband and your kids and um, your house, taking care of your house? How do you balance all this? Well, it starts with with having a dialogue with your with my husband about okay, I came home from work, I need to go work out before I start dinner, and he knows that that is something that I is important to me, and so he is accepting of it. It's really it it's learning to how to put down some boundaries and say, you know what, I need to have an hour to do what I need to do, whether it's cutting up vegetables and fruit or it's going into another room and working out with an exercise DVD. It's learning to sometimes say, no, I can't run you to this, that, or the other thing because I need to take care of myself. And it's it's teaching the people in your life, whether they're your husband or your children, that it's okay to sometimes say, you know, I need me time. Right. I like that. So true. And most of us don't really know how to do that. We feel bad, right? Like, oh, no. Oh, exactly. You do. Yeah. You do. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself as of today? That I'm okay the way that I am. I am never going to be five foot eight, size two. I am comfortable with where I've gotten to at this point. Some physicians would still consider me maybe not severely obese, but they would consider me to still be large. I'm wearing a size 12 and I'm comfortable with that. I like who I am now. And so learning that, not setting myself up for such an unrealistic expectation that it is pretty much setting myself up to fail. That was one of the things that was different this time when I started this a year and a half ago, is I didn't set an expectation that I was going to get down to a size four because I have attempted that in the past. And when I didn't get close to it, I was like, well, I'm just never going to make it. So I might as well just give up. And so I've set, I pretty much set myself up to fail. Right. With high expectations, right. With having expectations that were simply unreasonable for me. There is a lot of, uh, a lot of information out there. And one of the things that I hear a lot also, because I have been in the fitness industry for many years, a lot of about self-control, that the whole idea of losing weight and keeping the weight and, you know, and this and that, it's about self-control, being healthy. Um, what is your idea of self-control? Do you still exercise it every day? To a certain degree, but, you know, some people, they talk about self-control or they talk about willpower. I find that it's more, it's a mindset. It's a mindfulness of what am I doing? Am I overeating? Then just use a smaller plate. It's deciding, do, do I really, am I going to really feel good if I eat all of that? Is it really going to change anything in my life other than making my pants no longer fit? You know? <laughs> right. So true. So so willpower in and of itself is important, but I think it's more mindfulness and it's having support of the people that are closest to you 
because they can sabotage you so easily. And it's really harder, not impossible, but significantly more difficult to succeed in any sort of situation, including losing weight, if the person that's closest to you is not supportive. Yes, I would say so too. Because it really becomes harder to not overeat if they expect you to cook exceptionally large meals, if they expect you to bake and have all these things for them because that's what they want. Even And so they're not helping you and that becomes a challenge. Wow. Yeah. Maybe the um, the way to go is to uh, change everything, like the way we cook, instead of cooking what our husbands and kids, they want us to cook. To please them, we should just um, teach them how to appreciate um, healthy foods and only cook healthy stuff. <laughs> that might be the way. Well, yeah, and that is true. And to give smaller portions, I dish up our food and my husband eats what I've given him. And if he needs a little bit more, then he can go and get a little bit more. But it's helped him as well because he's eating more fruit and vegetables. He's eating smaller portions. So it's assisted him as well. Right. right. Everyone benefits. Yes. We both have benefited from this journey. That is so great. Um, Why do you think so many people resist to change? to lose weight, they give up. I know you talked about giving up for yourself. Do you have other uh, thoughts on why other people resist changing and give up on becoming healthier? I think there are a multitude of reasons. I think for me, it was looking at what my weight was and it's intimidating to think of how much I would need to lose. And so I did it in small increments. Okay, I'm going to lose five pounds. Now I'm going to lose another five pounds. And so part part of it, I think, for people in the world is thinking about how much they need to lose and getting intimidated by that number because they're so focused on a number. I think part of it is that people have an, an, ex, an expectation that if I do lose this weight, I want to get down to this size or this shape. And, and so they set them like I have done in the past, they set themselves up to fail so they don't even try. I think there are some people that they become apathetic. I'm just big boned. I'm just this way. I, I don't care. You know, I mean, in America, you go to restaurants and the serving sizes are tremendously large. You go to fast food establishments and you can supersize it. And so you get these humongous amounts of food. And so even the establishments are not assisting us with watching our portion control. They're not even assisting us with it, you know? And so it, it's, it's really comes down to a mindfulness, a determination. Willpower is part of it. It's, it's deciding, am I happy the way that I am? And what will it take to change that? And deciding that enough is enough and just going for it. Yeah, uh, I think... The solution for a lot of our problems, it might be just uh, thinking for ourselves, more self-knowledge. Self-knowledge, self-awareness, mindfulness and thinking for ourselves, not thinking what is in the TV, what's on the magazines that I have to look like, you know, one of the Cardassians or something. No, 
The Cardassians are who they are. God created you the way he created you. Can you be a better you? Absolutely. But he loves you the way you are, regardless. But people, sometimes they don't like themselves and they don't love themselves. And so they self-medicate, I guess is one way to put it, with food. Yeah, that's the the easiest remedy, I guess, that you call it self-medication yeah, that we go to. Like you mentioned too, that when we're stressed or um, not feeling so good for whatever reason. Uh, yeah, that's interesting, Patricia, because uh, the, I remember being this way, although I was in the fitness industry, I always looked good and all, but I, I always um, went to food when I felt stressed, I was not feeling good about myself. Um, and then when I decided, not decided, I had no choice really, but then I, I started looking within and finding things about myself. They're just uh, so precious. And then I lost the interest to go outside. I became a lot more into the self-discovery idea of who I was. And and that was it. That changed everything. So I think the, yeah, that's what we have been talking about. The solution might be thinking for ourselves and just uh, self-knowledge. Yeah, um, Mindfulness, um, uh, what is the difference between mindfulness and meditation? I'm not sure if there is a difference, at least in my mind. Meditation is when you take time away from the hectic schedule that you might have and you sit somewhere and you're just quiet and you just meditate on what your life is, where you're at tracks you might want to follow, roads you might want to go down. You know, you just, you slow down and you just think. You meditate on life. Mindfulness to me is more, so that's kind of, so meditation is kind of out in the universe. It's kind of, you're thinking about everything around you and how everything is going and where you, what path you might want to follow. Mindfulness in my, to me is more internally thinking, okay, now I've meditated on the path I want to go, now mindfully taking that first step and then mindfully taking that second step. You know, being self-aware, I guess, is is mindfulness. Being self-aware that I don't need to overeat. I don't need to go into the kitchen and get something from the refrigerator. You know, mindfully deciding not to do it, I think is is perhaps one way to look at it. Right. So uh, meditation would be the non-action reflection of ourselves, reflecting on ourselves and mindfulness, it's connected to actions. I believe so. It, it, that's how I perceive it. Yes. Yeah. Non-action and action. Right. Your biography informs that you had to come to accept yourself as a creature of God which has enabled you to see the value within yourself. So two questions I will ask one at a time. Who and where is God? God is our creator. He is, I believe in heaven. I also believe in hell. And I believe that God is in heaven. He is our father. And I believe that when we pass away, when we die, our actions, our faith in him will determine where we will end up, where our soul will end up. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the resurrection. 
And so that is where I, I believe God is. He is in heaven. What is your relationship with God on a daily basis? On a daily basis, I pray as I'm driving around doing my job. I talk to him. I also believe that God is not just this big thing up in the sky. I mean, you know, people think of heaven as being in the sky. I think that he's in the small things. He's in the rose that you see in your garden. He's in the face of a child that you see laughing at a park. He's in the fall leaf leaf colors, the reds and the yellows and the oranges. He's in the beauty of nature. So I like watching nature shows because I see the majesticness of God when I look at the creatures that he has created and how unique they are and how they function. And, you know, I look at babies and I see God. Right. So a question that comes to mind, that's a beautiful uh, reflection. It's beautiful the way you're speaking. Would you say that God is everything and in everyone or God is everything and everyone? I believe he has the potential he, that he is in in everything in nature. I believe he wants to be in all of us human beings. But the reason that he is not is because he's given us choice. He's given us will and because he wants us to choose to follow him. And so he is not forcing us to follow him. And so when I look at animals, I see God. When I look at very young children, I see the presence of God. As adults, we choose whether we're going to follow him or not. Mm. So in a way, you're saying that uh, human beings in, in general, they, are, they don't have God or they are not with God. Or they have not chosen to be with God. Right. When you reach the age of accountability, for some people, they believe it to be around the age of 12. That is kind of an understanding of, of when a person will understand right from wrong. It is my belief that each of us have a choice to make. Are we going to believe that there is a God? If we believe that there is a God, do we believe that he sent Jesus to die for our sins? And if we do believe that, do we believe that we're a sinner and that we need him to forgive our sins? So all of it comes to our own faith, believing in something that you cannot see, you cannot touch, and making the choice to follow that life. And if you choose to say, no, I, I, I believe that there's a God, but I'm not going to follow him, then that is your own choice. And, and God is not within you at that point. He wants to be. I believe he wants to be for all of us, but he's not going to force us. It is our choice. Right. Um, let me see if I understand your point of view. You speak of nature as being God, representing the spirit of God, and you can sense that and feel the presence of God in nature. You didn't describe, you, you gave me some, some, um, Aspects of nature, like the leaves, uh, perhaps the trees. Um, what about nature in general? Um, we see a lot of, um, we see things like earthquakes, we see tsunamis and uh, animals eating one another, and a lot of um, things that might not be 
quotes in quotes, God-like. Um, do you include all that too? Like being God, even the disasters um, that happen in nature? I believe God created the earth. And we all heard the story of Adam and Eve and how they ate from the tree of knowledge. And that was their first sin. And so they, God had to re- remove them from the Garden of Eden. At that point, it is my belief that the world became independent of God to the point that things happen. Tornadoes, earthquakes, flooding, even things such as people getting cancer, Parkinson's, dementia. God did not create those things. He did not make them to happen. Unlike back in the Bible, there is the great flood with Noah and the ark. God created that flood. He wiped out the entire population that was on the world. He covered the entire world with water. Since that time, he has never done that again. And he will not do that again because he made a promise to Noah that he would not. But I believe that he, when he gave us choice to choose to follow him, he also let the earth kind of go and choose its path. I believe that some of the things that occur are because of what we are doing to the earth. The deserts no longer cool off at night because we've got too many high-rise buildings in Arizona. We've got cement that holds the heat so that deserts don't cool down. We've got so many people on the earth that in some respects, I feel like we're killing it. And that's not something that God is choosing to do. He's letting us do it to ourselves. Wow. So um, um, we go back to the same thing, like going within, knowing ourselves, because I think if we get to know ourselves within, we will find God. I believe so. I believe that people have become apathetic and that has an impact on everything that's going on around us. That makes sense. Yeah, a lot of sense to me. Hmm. I will be asking you, I have been asking you actually some questions unrelated to the subject of um, weight loss. Do you want to say anything related to the subject of losing weight to someone who is perhaps in need of your advice? Certainly. Uh, what it comes down to is deciding what do you really want for yourself? Don't think about what would make my husband happy? What would make my wife happy? You know, think about, do I appreciate the person that I am? And are there things within myself I want to change? And it could be that you want to lose weight so that you can reduce your heart meds, which I have. I have reduced my medications. Decide for yourself because only you can do this. My husband could not make me lose weight. He could talk to me about the concerns he had with my weight being up with my blood pressure and and everything like that. But it was my own decision to do this. If you decide to do this, don't set unrealistic goals for yourself because that will could potentially lead to you failing. Set small, manageable goals. Don't look at the fact that you need to lose 107 pounds. That is a small child. That is like a nine-year-old child's weight. When you look at a nine-year-old child and think 107 pounds, I cannot lose that much. But if you think, 
five pounds. Most people can lose five pounds and then think, okay, five more pounds. And then before you know it, you're down 25 pounds and your pants don't fit and you have to go get another size down. And you're like, yay. So think small goals, small goals. And don't set an unrealistic end goal. Don't set a time frame. Do it slowly so that your body can get used to what you're doing and do it in a healthy way. Don't starve yourself. Don't cut foods that you love completely out of your diet because when you finally at some point snap, then you're going to gorge yourself on whatever it is that you take out of your diet. People have asked me, do you do low carb? Do you do no carb? Do you have no protein? Have you gone vegetarian? No, I eat exactly what I ate before. I just eat smaller amounts of it. That's great, Patricia. Really great. Yeah. Mm, it makes so much sense to me. Um, of course, that uh, eating a lot of starch that I feel like when I eat potatoes and rice, I also gain weight. So that's another thing, beans and all that. Thank you so much. Um, I'll be asking you now some questions unrelated to weight loss, um, but within the topic of spirituality, well-being. I call them wholesome questions. And the first one is, what is another word for healing? I would say recovery. Yeah, that's good. What is love to you? Acceptance acceptance of who I am and the quirks within my personality, uh, the love that my husband, so there's, you know, physical love, there's emotional love, there's different types of love. How do you define success? When you like what you do and you're happy when, you, when you're doing it. I don't define success by monetary gain or anything like that. It's, it's I, I define myself as being a successful person within my marriage being a successful person within my relationship with God, being a successful person within my job, because all of those things I love and I feel that they love me and I, and I enjoy doing them. What is to be strong? To have faith in yourself is to be strong, I believe. Yeah. And if you knew you would die soon, would you change anything about your life or do anything differently? from that one? I don't believe so. I believe my life is very good and I'm very much enjoying it. So I, I don't believe that I would change anything significantly. I might try to travel more. There's places places I wish to go that I haven't gone to yet. So if I knew I were going to die in a year, I might be like, well, let's just, yeah, let's travel more. Do you have a place in mind right now that you would go to the first place? <laughs> I've always been fascinated with like Paris, Australia, Hawaii. I've never been to Hawaii. There's a number of places I would like to go. Um, so if I knew I were going to pass away in a year, then yeah, I'd probably say let's, let's travel. <laughs> right, that's fun. Um, what are three things about life you know for sure? <laughs> that nothing is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. Okay, that doesn't count. <laughs> That doesn't count. Um, three things I know for sure. <laughs> that God loves me, that my husband loves me, and that at some point I will die. <laughs> I know those are definite for sure. That is wonderful. I mean, the last one, yeah, it's not so inspiring, but <laughs> it's, tr it's true. But if they ask the truth, 
you know you're going to be born and you know you're going to die. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's nice to face, right? Those realities. Yeah. Um, where can we find more information about you? What do you do? Projects? I actually do not do things such as Twitter or Facebook. I believe in being a bit more private than that. And anybody can see anything when you're on those websites. So really, I don't have any public venue like that. So I, I don't have anything. I'm sorry to say. That's not a problem. Um, if somebody wants to contact you, would you um, disclose your email address? I'd be happy to do that. If, if somebody wished to contact me to discuss life, or weight loss, or which whatever, I I would be willing to disclose my email address. Yes, that's great. Thank you so much, Patricia, for this conversation. It was meaningful and fun. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Patricia Basden, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.